Hi, I'm Dan. And I'm Mike. So welcome back to 15-Minute Film Fanatics, Season 2, the podcast where two lifelong friends and film fans sit and talk about a film that they've seen separately, but they talk about it for the first time. Um, sometimes I nominate a movie, sometimes Mike nominates a movie, and this movie we're doing this week came about because Mike issued a challenge at the end of last week's episode. Do you remember, Mike? That's right. So last week we spoke about a Sea of Love, which you did not like, and I defended as a good popcorn movie. Right. And this week I asked you to double down. So instead of just Al Pacino, we're going to do the Al Pacino and Robert De Niro film. For three hours. For three hours. That's a triple down. And, and like Sea of Love, this is a film that I saw when it first came out in the movies, but have not seen since. Right? How have you gone, what, what has it been, 25 years without seeing Heat? It came out in 95. It came out in 95. All right. So, um, so uh, as we got ready to record today, uh, Mike sent me some texts. What did you think? What are we going to talk about? I said, no, we're going to save it. And, um, and Mike said, he, you know, he's, that's it. He's done. He said, this is it. This is a deal breaker. So um, you want to start with your, your overall takeaways of the movie or you want me to go? Sure. So I can't say that this is a, is a great film without qualifiers. I think that there are, as I said last time, there are certain things about what I would call the prototypical American 90s movie um, that still work their way um, into this film. If you don't like synthesizer scores, uh, you may be in for a rough time with Heat. You know, if, if there's, like, there's a lot of people who can't watch shows with laugh tracks anymore, for example, because they, they, they can't stand the sound. So, you know, the score aside, uh, I think that there's a lot of great performances in this movie. I think that this movie is a lot of fun to watch. Um, and I think for a three hour movie, uh, that it's really interestingly constructed. And I had a lot of fun watching it personally. So I, I'd love to hear your key takeaway. Okay, so here's, here's um, you said it's, it's, here's where you're wrong. It's not, it's not that it's a great movie um, with qualifiers or whatever, it's a great movie. It's an unbelievably awesome movie that I cannot believe I have not seen since it came out in 1995. So I can't Mike, believe you haven't seen it since it came out Thank you, Thank you for issuing that challenge. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go on bended knee um, and just to say thank you, because uh, every 10 minutes it popped into my brain, how come I haven't been watching this once a week? It's so much fun. It's great. And you know what? I wouldn't even qualify it, because, because qualifying it almost makes you kind of like diminish its achievement. I think there is so much great art in here. It reminded me of what you said about Lawrence of Arabia, quoting Spielberg, when Spielberg says, you watch it and you say, how did they do that? How did they do yes. that, right? And my moment for that was, you know, there's a million moments like this for, you know, forget about how great the characters are, but you take something like, Mike, if they gave, um, you know, you and me an unlimited budget, whatever we wanted, all the tech, and said, go make a bank robbery exciting. I don't think we would know the first thing. We, we would try to make like bank robberies from movies, but talk about exciting, right? Absolutely. And, and at the end, like at the, when they're in the airport, right? And they're going from box to box. That, all I kept thinking was what you said about the sand in Lawrence of Arabia. I kept thinking like, how do they do that? Like, how do you know when to close in on Pacino's face and go out and show this box and, and not just make it a chaotic mess? I think it was, I think it's a beautiful, beautifully done movie. Yeah. So just to pick up what you're saying, I just want to clarify for myself and, and for the audience. I think you're exactly right that there are a lot of shots where there's so much going on that it would be easy for a regular person to be confused. Yeah. And they make it not only super simple to follow, but the simplicity of how easy it is to follow makes it extremely tense. Yes, yes. And it's tense from the moment it begins to the moment it ends. Now, I also wanted to go back to our Sea of Love conversation, right? Perhaps my darkest moment so far in the podcast. This movie, Al Pacino, is an absolutely believable cop. He, he does 25 totally believable cop things. 
right? May, may I begin? <laughs> Please. I assume, I assume there's a, a secret list. Here it is. My Al Pacino secret cop list. The moment for me was when he picks up the drumstick and goes, I got three dead bodies on the sidewalk of Venice Boulevard. I'm sorry the goddamn chicken got overcooked. Now that struck me as very, very real, right? I thought that when he confronted, I'm um, not confronted, when he comforted um, the, the mother of the prostitute, yeah. the Wayne Grove, and like he just hugs her and her, like that would like, how do you deal with somebody in hysterics? Like that was spot on, right? Um, I think that uh, the way he, um, the way he figured out that they were all like, what is he looking at? What were they looking at? They're looking at us. They're looking at us. Like you could just see his brain turning there. Um, when he was listening on the phone, when they had the surveillance on Wayne Grove's room, right? And, and he's just, and they're like, we got someone. And, and you just think, Michael Mann just shows him on the phone. That's all it is. But he's not overacting. He's not like running his fingers through his hair. He's just holding the phone, waiting to see what they're going to say. Like he did so many great cop things. And I, this is one performance where you can see, um, I, I pick on this movie uh, all the time and we'll never do it on the podcast, uh, Scent of a Woman. But there are a lot of like, who are Charlie moments, which work really well for, for his character for where he, yes. where he all of a sudden explodes when he's talking to the CI and he turns around and he says, don't waste my effing time. Yeah. And he's been, he's been talking kind of normally and, yeah. and kind of funny, but all of a sudden you just, you jump back like a cat. But you will no. not take, you will not watch my television set. <laughs> oh my, that's like, that's an absolutely beautiful line. Second only to what he tells Hank Azaria when Hank Azaria says, how did I get mixed up with this broad? Because <laughs> she had a great ass. That's total. <laughs> that made me laugh because that was Al Pacino doing an imitation of Al Pacino. Absolutely. But it's, but it's so over the, it's the over yes. the top reaction of somebody who's entirely overworked. Yes. And that's why I think other moments that you just, uh, that you just mentioned work really well. Because yeah. I, I feel like Al Pacino's overwrought uh, as an actor, as the character, when he throws his arms around uh, the mother and doesn't yes. know what to do. Yes. And then later, um, I think, um, I think I might've mentioned this, but the, the dreams that they tell one another when they're <laughs> at the diner. And that I rule, one rule for this podcast, that cannot be your moment. That's, that's just no, a moment not. that everybody knows. No. But uh, you know, when, when he says, I'm sitting at a dinner table and I got the faces and of all the eyeless people that are staring at me, you know, that, that I failed, yeah. uh, that I failed to save. I showed up too late. I even bought that. I don't know what you said. Yeah. Even, and he just sits there. And, and even, I usually, I usually, um, I usually hate hearing about characters' dreams in books or in fictions and books or in films um because you know it's it's it, they're always like they're never like my, my dreams are just like me like walking around or like nothing really happens like my dreams aren't like wildly symbolic or things like that but i thought those are those dreams are really great you know what else you made me made me think about was um was the cop stuff is that this movie also makes it seem exciting to be a cop it's easy to make being a criminal seem exciting or being kind of like interesting or daring, but those parts where he's in the helicopter or where in the, when they're in the stakeout in the empty truck and, and they're just, and they're just listening and just waiting. And they, it's, you know, and it, it looks exciting. And that's why another, another note I had when I watched it was it's like Les Miserables, but Valjean is guilty. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that's, uh, that's great. Um, I think one scene for me, I, just to name a random example is when they're waiting for them to steal all the precious metals. Right. And they just let them walk. Yeah. They're just, nope, it's over. Just walk. And they, they, it, every crime that they've, that they've committed so far is just a misdemeanor. So you yeah. can't pick them up. Breaking they, and entering? They what are we going to do? Charge them with breaking and entering? But and I just, think that overall, it's funny you said the synthesizer music because I like the score in this. I liked how it reminded me of the music in the Christopher Nolan films. 
how the how the, the, yeah. the, the music goes from scene to scene and it's very soft and it kind of builds up but I thought it was, I thought it was, you know, when you think about De Niro's apartment in this movie, how great it is, like how there's like, it's no amazing. Pleasure. It's, it's how amazing. Clean it is because you have to leave in 30 seconds, right? You have to be Absolutely. able to walk away. Um, but that watching it, it struck me as how clean this movie is. Like, like De Niro looks really good in his suit. Like Pacino looks good. Like everyone is really, really clean and the script is clean. There's no loose ends. I just, it was just, it was aesthetically and like um, emotionally, certainly at the end, clean. Yeah, I, I really love the scene. Again, this is not my scene where they're, he's driving to the airport and he can just get away. Yeah. And he can just get away. Home and he can just get away. And free. you see him looking. There's just, there's just one thing I got to do real quick. <laughs> like, there, we go. there we go. And you know, it, the, the, I forgot who it is, but the, the guy that played Wango, the, the, the long-haired psychopath who goes around like, murdering prostitutes. Yeah. I mean, he stuck out like a sore thumb in the film because he was so out of place in terms of the way he looked and the way he acted and things like that. And uh, well, so it's, 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 you're exactly right. It's from the way that he gets in the truck. Everybody yeah. has, everybody has super controlled movements. Yeah. Everybody is flying under the radar. Nobody is drawing attention to themselves except Wayne Grow and big overalls yeah. with his a soda cup is ju- it jumps into the truck and you go, who is that guy? Yeah. Cause he runs back to the food truck. It says, oh, I want to refill. Like, why are you calling attention to yourself right before you go to do this? And then he gets into Tom Seasmore's like, it's like, uh, like stop talking or stuff. Like, we don't, I don't need to talk to you. Yeah. What, what a great performance out of him too. Perfect. Perfect. But listen, right. let's, let's talk about our favorite scenes in, in part two. Cause I think it's time for that. All right. I'll see you there. We're going to pause here because we just want to tell you something. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. So let me explain. The first point is it's free. Yeah. Second, they have all the tools that you need to create, record, and edit your podcast right on your phone or your laptop. Third, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so you can hear it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other places. You pick up sponsorships, you can make money from your podcast, and there's no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Always be closing, Mike. Always be closing. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Okay, welcome back. So in the second segment, we like to talk about uh, key scenes or our favorite scenes, uh, moments that are indicative of the themes of the of the film as a whole. Uh, I don't have one. I just have a super cool uh, moment, uh, which is when De Niro is moving through the, the hotel to get to Wingro because he yeah. just can't let it go. Uh-huh. And how he calls up to room service, gets the room, pulls the fire alarm, evacuates everybody, and then and then kills his man. Because I, I think that there's kind of lesser heist movies, uh, at least heist films that are, that are lesser to me, uh, wherein every character has to have a skill. Uh, yes. and, it's, and it strikes me that the heists in this movie are so good because only one person has one skill. There's one controlling intelligence. <laughs> yeah. Like how everything falls in 80-20 distribution, you know, 20% of the people will be <laughs> responsible for 80% of the work. Definitely yeah. uh, Robert De Niro as Neil is in charge of everything and you can see that animal intelligence working. It's yeah. just kind of, it's like there's a song and he's picking up the rhythm and everybody else is dancing and all of a sudden he's playing and then Wayne grows dead. That's great. That's a great point, Mike, because that, it reminded me, yeah, it's the opposite of The Great Escape, where everybody has a really exactly. specific skill. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's this, this movie is Ocean's One. <laughs> and it's great, too, because he has his little moments of, like, violence, too, where he, like, starts to scream, like, when he goes into Ashley Judd's, when he catches Ashley Judd, you know, um, mm-hmm. prostituting herself in there in the hotel room, and he, and he goes, he starts yelling at her and takes all the hangers off, and you're like, oh, my God, what's he going to do? And mm-hmm. he kind of calms down. It's like, it's like you said about uh, Pacino before. Um, so my moment was, I have so many. I mean, my little great 
plot moment thing is when Val Kilmer goes into the bank vault and knows to put the duffel bag on the money upside down and turn it around because you or I, um, if we rob the bank, we'll be clumsily shoving things in uh, like Homer Simpson. Uh, to recall Hank's area, um, into a bag of being really clumsy about it. But he knows, no, you do it upside down. You do it that way. So that was like a perfect thing of how all of the bank robbery stuff and all the criminal stuff was great. But my, my moment that really got me and made me think about why I love this movie so much was this. It was the moment where, um, there's, where, where the, um, the one guy says, I can't make it today. I can't make it to the bank robbery. And they're standing there in the parking lot. And there's like, what are we going to do? And they say to Neil, like, no, whatever you want to do. And he says, no, you got to vote. <clears throat> Remember this? And they all go around and they have to vote what they're going to do. And the reason I picked that as my moment is because you are as on the edge of your seat there as you are during the bank robbery or when he goes to the empty drive-in movie theater to, to, to pick up the package. And I think the movie is filled with character-based suspense as much as it is of, like, guns going off and the suspense there. Like, when they come out of the bank, like, that's super suspenseful. First scene with, when they crashed the truck with the fake ambulance, like, super suspenseful. But there are moments like that, I wrote down, like, that, that are, where the suspense is so great and it's based upon characters. Like, like um, will Dennis Haysbert, what, what will, he, will he turn? I mean, you kind of have to people because of the script, but, like, when De Niro comes into the diner and he's like, you have to go now, like, right now, ready or now. Like, that's really suspenseful. How about the scene where um, the cop is working on Ashley Judd to get her to turn and she shakes her head slowly yep. left to right but he's like working on like is she gonna do it is she gonna do it and then he says well you, your son's here is gonna grow up and he's gonna go to gladiator academy in, in juvie but you could raise him and you're like you could see her thinking like what's gonna go on and then she goes out and gives him the sign to go away mm -hmm. i mean like um so that was great is edie gonna go away like with neil to new zealand like you don't know what she's gonna do a party is like are you kidding me but parties like you could kind of see like their chemistry um there um the other one I had was, uh, you know, is um, Natalie Portman, who that's like, if, it's fascinating to see her like so young. Right. Um, is she going to live? Like talk about upping the ante when this movie, you know, it's two hours and whatever, 30 minutes in and talk about upping the ante on the script where he goes back to the hotel and he sees the water on the floor and, sh and she's in the, the bathtub. Does this like, guy have any idea what he's doing to this kid? Yeah, right, exactly, right. And when, how about when he starts ripping up the towels, going like, you know, assholes like die every day in the city, you are not gonna die. And like your heart's coming out of your throat. So there, there's all these great scenes where you're on the edge of your seat where no one has a gun out, no, no one's screaming. It's not like a great argument scene. And it, it's so well done. And, though, and that's what I was um, uh, being a, a, a spoil sport for about Sea of Love, is that Sea of Love, you know, they, it, I didn't think it had that. Like in this movie, you have, you have crime and character and they're both great. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that the only thing that I can add to, to what you said, or really it's just a summary of what you said, is uh, there's a very cliched uh, creative arts question, which are what are the stakes? And I'm with you that I think Sea of Love assumes uh, the stakes or assumes that you're interested and he builds it for everybody yeah. all the time at every single moment. Right. And the, and the beautiful mingling of the two plots, like the Van Zandt plot, plot with the when the, with the uh, get, selling him back his own stuff right and um and also the you know the bank robbery plot and but then like like the plot of, of Pacino's marriage is great yeah absolutely there's there's great performances um everywhere not notwithstanding that the fence is played by uh help me out John Voight John Voight yeah yeah <laughs> well he's great too who, who pops <laughs> up out of nowhere <laughs> yeah, I know, and his, his big thing is that they've been doing crime together for like 25 years he's like see ya yeah I hope yeah I hope New Zealand works out. Yeah, that's a great movie thing too, that like you hang around a dark bar like next to a payphone and you just kind of like run the whole city. You run all of LA or the, 
<laughs> like, but it did remind me of a friend of mine um, had a great line he used to say all the time. He said, I don't know why anyone would make movies about things other than criminals. And, and this is certainly, you couldn't argue with this one. It gives the best death scene. You know, the, the yeah. wheel man's death scene is, is amazing. And he says, yeah. don't, you know, I'm sorry, Neil, but don't, you know, don't leave me like this. Yeah. yeah. All right. I'll see you in segment three. All right. Welcome back to segment three. This is where we talk about the ending or the title or some final thoughts. So Mike, uh, why don't you take it away? Sure. So just to wrap up here, I'm really glad that you like this movie um, more Loved than you like, like Sea of Love. I still, um, you know, when I think about this movie, when I talk about this movie, I essentially say it's the greatest 90s movie, which is to me, as far as American action films from the 90s, it, it really does not get better than Heat. Um, I think that after Heat, Al Pacino largely becomes a caricature of himself and De Niro um, maintains some semblance of De Niroism for a little bit longer, but you a know, little bit this, longer. Is, this, is, this, is, this is the peak uh, for yeah. both of them. But I find that I'm still qualifying, right? I'm still talking about the synthesizer yeah. script or certain things, you know, certain things from the 90s that don't make it into movies anymore. People are walking around with pagers. It's like that weird yeah. time between cell, between cell, cell, cell phones and pay phones. Um, so, but... Um, Essentially, I think a lot of my praise of this movie carries qualifications, whereas when we started the podcast here, it sounded like yours didn't. So I'd, I'd like you to kind of unqualify this movie for me, if you will. Let me catch up to you. I just think, I mean, if somebody said to you, what makes a great, like, I think sometimes when we qualify things, it's to justify our liking them. You know, okay. like people will do that all the time. Like, you know, like someone will say like, oh, I don't know, like uh, Captain America, that was a fun popcorn action movie. Like whatever, it, it was good or it's bad. And I don't think that, you know, Captain America is as good as this, but or something like that. But I think that what makes it a great film, it's got a it's got a great script, it's got believable characters, it's skillfully directed, it's it doesn't break the cardinal rule of movies is that it's too long. And it, you know, two hours and fifty minutes, it's it, it's over in ten seconds. It's one hundred percent the shortest three hour movie yeah. I can think of. But it's about human beings under duress. I think that like that's what it's about. It, it it's that's it makes great great drama. Like drama is where you don't know exactly which way it's going to go. And, and you feel, I think, in a lot of the movie, like Edie does in the car, when she's sitting in the car at the end and she's like, what's going on? Like, what's happening? What, and you know more than Edie does, but you kind of have that feeling like, what's going to happen to these people? Like, who's going to die? Who's going to live? You don't know. You know that Al Pacino's going to live, basically, once you're into the movie a little bit. But you're not 100% sure about, like, is De Niro going to get away? Like, what's, what's going to go on? And if they did something terrible where, imagine if, like, um, Al Pacino let him go. Mm -hmm. Like what a bad step that would have been. Um, but I think that, I think, I don't, I, if someone said that it's, you need to qualify this movie, I would say, well, why, why, why? <laughs> That's what I would say. I, don't know. I, I can't think of anything to yeah. say. And I, I also think, just leave it there. And I so, also think there's so many great movie. things that like tie it together. Like, like there's that part where there's like, um, you know, uh, what does he say? Uh, the action is the juice. Mm -hmm. The action is the juice, right? Um, that's what Tom Sizemore says when, when yeah. he's, that's what the that's what the movie's about. I mean, the the, the title is great. You're not going to get a better title than Heat, but if you were allowed long clunky titles, <laughs> there would be the action is the juice because they're all they're all that that's true for all of them, right? They can't walk away. Like um, you know, Dennis Haysburg can't walk away from crime. Um, Ashley Judd is addicted to. Um, Val Kilmer's a compulsive gambler, and uh, you know they're all addicts. Yeah, Pacino's a crime addict too. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, you know, so the the thing about the exactly the thing about Pacino is that he could he could retire at any time. He wants to be yeah. on the, he wants to be he wants to be investigating uh, bands of criminals that are really good at crime and is extremely interested in the ways that they do what they do. 
Yeah. And that's why I think, I, I mean, talk about a writer's nightmare. Mike, how many chances did, the, did Michael Mann have to go wrong in that diner scene? 100% every single second could have gone totally wrong. Right. Like, like, let's do this really quick. Like, think of all the things that could have been terrible in that scene. Go. Uh, I mean, first of all, the overall editing uh, could, right. you know, could be bad. Meaning, when, when do you show a face? When do you show a face? When do you show the two of them sitting together? You know, just kind of the frame-by-frame frame formal stuff uh, is, uh, yeah, is a, is a nightmare. Right. That could have been a nightmare, right? But like they tell each other their dreams, they're kind of guarded. I read on IMDb that um, De Niro insisted they not rehearse that scene first so that when they did it, it would, it would seem a lot more stiff and they'd be a lot more guarded. And I think that comes through. I mean, like they don't shake hands. They don't come to an understanding. Um, you know, Pacino says, I'm going to go after you. And then, but then De Niro says, well, there's a flip side to that coin. Um, I mean, in real life, it seems hard to do, but it's not, it's drama, but it was, it was so dramatic. That's what I mean by drama. It was so dramatic to have the two of them talking to each other at that moment in the center of the film. And it was so interesting. If you haven't seen this movie in a while, if you're in the same position as Dan, where you remember liking Heat, but you haven't watched it yeah. and you like that we like it, just do yourself a favor and rent Heat. Yeah. Um, if you, if your kids haven't seen it, if you got a buddy that you haven't seen in a while, if your wife hasn't seen it in a while, if your husband hasn't seen it in a while, just rent it. Yeah. Just rent it. It's it, really, really great. You because, will not regret it. Because it was definitely, I mean, I remember seeing it and, uh, and thinking, okay, it was fine. Like, I don't remember what I, I don't remember, I just might know that I saw it, but I do not remember it being as great as it, as it is. So definitely go see it. And while you're at it, definitely subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, and if you have any suggestions for movies that you'd like us to to cover, you know, please hit Dan up on Twitter or uh, you know, reach out to us. Um, we'd love to hear what you what you have to say. You know, we're all in the same boat looking for for great things to watch. So yep. thanks so much for listening. Thanks a lot. We'll see you next time.